I get to this morning, um, I get to introduce not just one, but two special speakers that we have this morning. We've been advertising um, for several weeks that we had hashtag Janes and Connors coming this morning. And some of you weren't too sure of who all of that was, but I, I get to, I get to uh, introduce you to them this morning. One of the other things that Evangel does that, again, is what you already give to you and what you support is we support um, two different educational institutions, seminaries, Bible colleges, and the two that we support are actually part of our our tribe. So you've heard me talk about we're part of a fellowship called the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. It's across the nation, and then we have impact around the world, and we just keep reminding you that we're sort of part of that. We're not just here on our own trying to do our own thing. And so there's a couple, there's Bible colleges that we have in different places, but two of them are ones that Evangel supports and has supported for quite some time. And so one of them is Master's College and Seminary. It's located in Peterborough, Ontario. It's the school that Jeff and I went to, so it's awesome. There you, that, you were a little bit delayed there, okay? But it's, it's, it's just an awesome school. And the president of that school is Rich Janes, and he is, he is a phenomenal president. He's also a good friend. He's a guy that is um, just passionate about seeing people walk out their calling and seeing especially young people, but all ages, just he starts advocating for them and advocating for them to be in ministry and to serve as pastors or wherever God has called them to be. He's also a tremendous advocate for women in ministry, which is something that not everyone is. And so I'm just grateful for what he does on that. Just a passionate follower of Jesus. We also support Institut Biblique du Québec, which is right here in Longueuil and is a French Bible college. So master's is in English and uh, IBQ is in French. And the president of that Bible college is Gary Connors, who uh, some of you may know used to be our district superintendent here in Quebec and has also been a pastor. But of course, the best part is he's one of Evangel's own. He's one of our own members, and he serves on our lead team, and he's one of the wisest and most diplomatic men that I've ever known, and so I'm grateful for them. So would you help me welcome Gary and Rich to our platform this morning? Bonjour, chers amis. Ça va bien? C'est un privilège d'être ici à l'Église Evangel avec mon ami Rich. Alors, je pense que je vais aller en anglais pour que les autres puissent me comprendre. Êtes-vous d'accord? Super. Great to be here this morning. And uh, as Patty says, uh, Rich and I are Bible College presidents. And we oversee uh, different Bible colleges, one in French and one in English. And uh, what's a Bible college, you say? Well, it's a, an institution or a place where you go to uh, uh, be trained for Christian ministry, prepare, uh, preparing through theological education, uh, biblical studies, and practical ministry. And I can tell you, when I went to Bible college, I had a lot of fun. <laughs> I met my wife there. That was pretty good. Eh? Just like Jeff uh, and uh, Patty. Did you meet at Bible college? Yeah. Did you meet at Bible college, you and your wife? Wow. Gary, you're not helping us any. <laughs> Everybody already says it's bridal college. <laughs> well, not really, but it's just... Very interesting how the Lord leads some ways, isn't it? And so brought that up. You know, as in any leadership uh, that you might be in, in whatever field of, of training, uh, leadership is very important. And scriptures say in, in Ephesians chapter 4 that uh, pastors, evangelists, uh, uh, teachers um, will be equipping the people of the church for ministry. So uh, it's really important 
that our ministers and our pastors are trained well, and we try to do the great job at our Bible colleges. Just right to say one thing here it says about mandate. I want to let you know that uh, Rich and I just didn't get together for a coffee one day and say, hey, Gary, let's, let's start a Bible college. Let's, uh, you start the English one, and I'll start the French one. Not, that's not the way it works. Actually, our Bible colleges are part of our movement uh, in eastern Canada, uh, the District of Eastern Ontario, the District of Western Ontario, the District of Quebec, and the Maritime District, uh, appointed and mandated Rich and I in our positions. We represent and we work for about 500 to 600 churches just like here at Evangel. And we, we want to be seen as an arm of the local church, just as you have a Christian education department, a youth department. We want to be seen as part of your assembly. And so we, we do thank you for all the support you give us. But on the other side, we'd like you to feel that we are there for you. Uh, the mission that we have given to us is to create a learning community that provides programs and services which will equip Pentecostal leaders for ministry. We want to prepare people that will build up the church and engage the world that is around them. Indirectly, our purpose through our graduates is to lead people from all walks of life into spiritual growth that will assist them in living a Christian lifestyle. We have a plan, and it's our master's plans. We want to obey what Jesus said in Matthew 28, therefore go in all the world and make disciples. And so that's what we want to do in each one of our cases. Pastor Rich. Well, it really is a privilege for me to be here, and uh, especially on this Father's Day, I have my, one of my boys, Caden, here with me, and, and um, just an honor to, to be invited to be a part of the service today. In the first service, I had a gift for, for Pastor Patty, and uh, I just think she's one of the most amazing people on the planet. She's just an incredible leader and a great friend and super cool. She's just super cool. So I, I, gave, I gave her a, a gift that I felt perhaps just solidified that coolness. I want to give the same gift to Pastor Rob right now. Now, here's the thing. I grew up, like, he doesn't know this, and this may be awkward. I kind of grew up idolizing this guy. We grew up in the same church in Ottawa, and he was just a few years older than me, just a few, one or two. And this guy could do everything, like super athlete, football player, water skier, you name it, and I wanted to be like him. So it's an honor to be here with him and to kind of cross paths throughout our, our ministry journey, and I've got a gift for him. He's already cool, but I've got a pair of shades for him. Um, these, are, these are master's glasses. These are Christian glasses. This, so this not only makes him super cool, but it makes him a super Christian. And that's pretty hard because he's already kind of already there. But um, So now Pastor Patty and Pastor Rob have master's glasses, and it's just a little token to say thank you for having both Gary and I here today and the privilege that we have to talk to you a little bit about IBQ and MCS. And throughout the morning, you're going to see a few pieces of imagery uh, that kind of signif- 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 signify, thank you. You ever had that kind of moment where you can't get that word out? I blame it on Dave Mills. He's here in this room, and I'm nervous now. So we have a, a particular challenge that we face, a little bit like climbing a fairly tall mountain. I'm not sure how many mountain climbers are in this place. I kind of wish I was a real rock climber, never really done anything real like that. 
But um, it feels occasionally like the mission that we're on is like climbing Everest. Now, we quite successfully as schools have graduated students into kingdom service. We both had our graduation services only about a month ago, and students walk the line and and, uh, are walking into their calling. And so that's a good story. But what we're feeling as a challenge is not sending students to graduation. It's actually finding students in the first place. Our challenge is recruiting students. Our challenge is finding students who will respond to the call of God in their life and say, that's for me, an education at IBQ or an education at MCS, that's the direction I need to go in. We believe strongly in what we do because we believe that for as long as I can remember, as I read the scriptures, God has always chosen leaders. He's always used leaders for his work to accomplish his purposes. The world today is looking for leaders. Would you agree with me? Whenever you look around, you can see that people are looking for leadership. They're looking for individuals who will step up and and direct and help others to navigate through the often challenging course of life. So God has always chosen leaders, and he began by choosing Moses. If you remember the story in Exodus, and Moses is kind of doing his own thing. He's, you know, just minding his own business in Exodus chapter 3. He encounters this burning bush, and the bush is actually speaking to him. That's an unusual moment, wouldn't you not agree? So here's this context of a burning bush, and the bush is the Lord getting Moses' attention because Moses is called. He's like, I, I, I just come from this insignificant family, and I, I can't speak properly. I have a speak, speech impediment. I'm not the caliber of a leader. I, you, you want me? I, that's not me. And he's, he's very reluctant. Perhaps that's something like us today. Perhaps some of you in your leadership journeys and your life journeys have often thought, me? You want to, God, you want to use me? No, there's somebody far more qualified or come from a different background or you know, can speak better or communicate or whatever the story may be. All these excuses that we often put up so that God will choose somebody else. And yet here in the story, God is saying to Moses, no, I choose you. And reluctantly, Moses steps into this leadership call. And we, knew, we know through the book of Exodus that he leads his people out of captivity, across the Red Sea to a, a significant moment in their history as a nation. Moses was called by God because God chooses people to lead. Now, what I find incredible is the story of Moses' transition of leadership. And we find that in Deuteronomy chapter 34. Now, Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him, doing just as the Lord had commanded Moses. So what we have in this moment is Moses Moses has come to the end of his leadership race. He has run his race and has done it with excellence. And he comes to a moment in in his career, in his life, where he has selected the next leader. He's laid hands on Joshua, a leader who has been prepared, a leader who has been mentored, a leader who has been discipled by Moses. And in this very moment, hands are laid and prayers are prayed and Joshua is released. It's a bit of an ordination moment, a bit of a credentialing moment, a bit of a graduation moment. And Moses, who has run his race, he turns around and he passes the baton 
and he's running and he passes the baton to Joshua. And Joshua takes the baton and it is now his responsibility to run. It's his responsibility to lead. And Joshua is a prepared leader. He's ready for, to run his race. Joshua 1, 1 to 2. Oh, we got ahead of ourselves here. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. And he said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I am giving them. And so we've got this moment of handoff. It's a generational handoff, and Joshua is the new leader. Now, as you've already seen, there's a picture of some volleyball players. How many of you watched the Olympics last summer, the Rio 2016 Olympics? I, I just couldn't get enough. I, I kind of worried about my remote control getting burned out, jumping from all the channels to watch all the sports. I absolutely loved it. And there was a period in my history where I kind of fancied myself a volleyball player and uh, played it in high school and in college. And, and um, you know, so whether it was the court or whether it was the beach, I loved watching the volleyball, the, the power and the precision and the strategy. Team Canada didn't do too bad, and so it was a fun thing to watch. I also remember the story of Penny Oleksiak. Do you remember this 16-year-old teenager? Here she was competing in her first Olympics, winning four medals for Canada. That had never been done uh, for Canada in the pool ever before. And she's 16 years of age. She's on her summer break. This is her summer holidays. I'm just going to go out and win four medals on my summer holidays. No big deal. Like, I have four teenagers. They haven't won anything. This young girl, and they're good. I'm I'm not throwing any shade on Caden. He's a great guy. But this is an amazing story, and I couldn't help but watch this 16-year-old do this for, for Canada. And then there was this, this story, the athletic competition. And, and uh, you know, we've, we've known about Usain Bolt for years, and he's the fastest man on the planet, and he sets so many records, uh, you know, in all the disciplines. And, and here he is going again for the trifecta of gold medals in the 100, 200, and the, 100, the 400 relay. Here's a guy who's just incredible. Nobody could touch him. Nobody had ever come close to beating him. And yet, here's the younger brother, Andre de Grasse, the Canadian, the older brother, younger brother, and you know, they're kind of jogging and smiling, have a good time. I loved that story. That was such a great story in, in the Olympics. And yet, there was a, a thing that stood out to me that perhaps really none of us probably paid attention to. I think it was a Thursday afternoon, and it was the 4 by 100 meter women's semifinal relay race. This is not the finals. Nobody really pays attention to this race. But it's what happened in this race that caught my attention. And it's what happened in this race that defines what I believe Gary and I do at IBQ and MCS. Let me tell you the story. And so the U.S. women's relay team was a team that was untouchable. They really were, uh, you know, the champs in, in every regard. And here they were going to run this particular heat to get to the finals. And so the gun goes off, and the first woman is out of the blocks, and sure enough, she's in the lead and going down the straightaway, and she hands the baton to the next runner who goes around the corner, and they're setting the pace, and they're easily ahead of the rest of the runners in the field. She's cut around in the corner, and she hands it to the third woman who's coming back down the straightaway. And she's, I mean, you know, they're, they're, she's leaving the competition in her dust. And as she comes to hand the baton 
to the fourth and final runner who's going to take it around the corner and take it home and certainly finish in first place and set the, 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 the record to uh, get to the, the middle lane for the final race. As she's about to hand the baton, there's a nudge, there's a bump. And as she reaches behind to hand the baton, it hits her leg and the baton drops. And as the baton drops to the ground, the rest of the runners catch up and pass the American team. And in that moment, a moment that they had worked for, for years and years and years and had dreamt of and had expected that they would eventually be first place on the podium and win gold medals. Just like that, that moment was dashed and the teams passed. And 45 seconds later, after they picked the baton up and came across the finish line, and the race was done, a dropped baton. And so in our story of Moses to Joshua, we see a leadership handoff, successful transition of leadership. And so I expected that when I went to read to the end of Joshua's story, that I would find a similar moment. And sure enough, as we get to the end of Joshua's story, there's a time when he recognizes that his leadership mantle is done, that he has run his race, that he has finished the course. And yet, when I read this story in Judges chapter 1, verse 1, after the death of Joshua, the people of Israel inquired of the Lord, who shall go up first for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? And so there's a question They're saying, who's been trained? Who's ready to take the baton? They look around and there's nobody. And Joshua has extended his hand and there's nobody to take the baton. And it gets dropped. And there's nobody there to lead. And in that very moment, they're looking around wondering, who's going to lead us? Whenever there's a leadership vacuum, leaders go extinct. There's crisis and chaos and confusion whether that's in the nation, whether that's in our neighborhoods, in our cities, in our classrooms, in our workplaces, no matter what context it is. When leaders don't emerge, there's chaos and crisis and confusion. And in this very story, we have that same sort of thing. And if you read through the book of Judges, you know what takes place over and over and over again. This very phrase is repeated multiple times. Judges chapter 17. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. No leader to take responsibility. And so everybody began to do what they wanted to do and do what they thought was right. And this period of time went on and on. And so, why does this matter to us today? Because this is what we believe we do. The challenge for us is to find individuals who will take the baton and run. We graduate people really well. Our placement rates in the ministry opportunities are really high. It's finding students who will respond, who will respond to the call of God. One of the incredible things to note in our fellowship, Pastor Gary talked about the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, is that within the next few years, about six or seven years, we are facing a leadership crisis. We are facing one of the largest generational handoffs that we've ever seen in our history. We have incredible leaders who have run the race, and they've run it with excellence here in Canada and around the world. And yet, there are going to be leaders retiring within the next six or seven years, and they're going to be handing off a baton, and we wonder, who are they going to be handing it to? 
we trust that they're going to be handing it to graduates of IBQ and MCS. And so it's a challenge, but we believe that there's a call. I remember the call in my own life. I remember that moment where I finally said to the Lord, Father, I surrender to you. I mean, it had been a negotiation throughout my high school years, and I fought that call, and I pushed that call away, and I said, Lord, I, I'm not going to respond. I want to do my own thing. And, you know, in that ne- in negotiation, I eventually gave in a little bit and said, okay, 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 I'll be a, I wanted to be a doctor. I said, okay, I'll be a doctor missionary. That, that's what I'll do. You know, kind of, I'll do my thing, and I'll give you a little bit of, of it, and, you know, we'll make this kind of, you know, agreement. So I did a year at, at Ottawa University. And it was in that summer where I finally surrendered my, 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 my destination, my destiny to the Lord. I remember being celebrated at my home church, Woodville Pentecostal Church in Ottawa, and brought up on stage and people clapped their hands and said, Rich is going to Bible college. And we celebrated this moment of calling. And I kind of felt a little bit awkward because while I believe significantly in the call of God on people's lives for full-time kingdom ministry, I also felt like, but what about my other friends who are staying in university and, you know, going into the marketplace? Aren't they called? Absolutely. If you're sitting here today, please understand that we recognize that there are people who are called to marketplace leadership. And if that's you, and you've been resisting what that looks like in your workplace, in your school, in your neighborhood, perhaps today you'll listen to the voice of the Spirit who is calling you How can you lead and how can you serve and how can God use the gifts and skills that he's given you, that he's put in you and only you, to do what he needs you to do exactly where he has you? So don't get us wrong. We're not saying that that's not being called. But we also recognize that there are individuals who are called out to lead in church ministry, in in, in global work, in teaching across the world. Perhaps that's you today. Perhaps in this moment, The Spirit is speaking to you to respond to the call on your life. Perhaps you may be someone who is called. I've often encountered a concept about Bible college education that is a bit dismissive. Whenever I'm traveling and meeting individuals, there's there's occasions where people will say to me, you know, Rich, uh, what you do is great. I'm sure Gary's had the same kind of moment. Gary, what you do at IBQ is great, but, you know, thinking about my son or my daughter or even thinking about myself, you know, it might be good for me to, to get a real education so that I can get a real job. And then I sort of get a little bit defensive. And then I sort of think, wait a second, this thing that I've given my life to for the last 25 years isn't real? It sure was real when I was showing up in students' lives as they were going through crises. It's sure real when pastors uh, respond to moments in our lives when we need somebody to speak with and some guidance and some counseling. It's sure real on a Sunday morning when we wonder who's going to preach and who's going to lead and who's going to guide. And it's sure, Sorry, maybe I need some counseling. When we understand that Bible college is not a real education, we kind of devalue what takes place there. You know, we often lower education to just information. Well, I just got to get information. And if I get information, then I'm going to be trained to do what I want to do. At Bible school, at MCS and IBQ, we think of it entirely differently. See, information comes to you in all sorts of different ways. 
we get about 2,000 bits of, or 2 million bits of information through our brains in any day. I mean, everything that you, you can imagine coming through you and, and, and analyzing. We can analyze about 2,000 of that. Information is at our fingertips. Most of you here sitting this morning have smartphones. And in an instant, you can get information about anything in, the, in a drop of a hat. You can just go on to Google and you can figure out what to do. If you want to figure out how to fix the brakes, you just go to YouTube and they'll teach you how to fix the brakes. You may have never done it before and suddenly you're an expert. You can fix the dishwasher if it breaks at home by just going on YouTube and figuring it out. My wife fixed our, dish, our, our laundry machine the other, uh, about a month ago. She came home and it was fixed. She didn't have to call a repair person. It was amazing. You can get information online at any time. So if information is, uh, if education is information, you could go anywhere. But when education is understood as transformation, that's a whole different conversation. And that's what we believe takes place at MCS and IBQ. You come not just for the information, but you come for the transformation. And that's our story. And so it's not just about getting good information, but it's about being transformed. This is who we are, and it's what we do. And we do it really, really well. Gary's going to come and share a little bit about the commitment, our commitment as presidents, as schools, to students, and what we can offer you. So you'll see here, I went, go one back, uh, one more. You'll see here, one of our, as Rich says, we really believe it's more than information. It's really, we want you to, see, to be transformed by the power of God. Sometimes we think of Bible colleges as a place where I have to give three years of my time, go away somewhere, but I have a job, I have to, con- I have to work, I have to continue to support my family. Well, as at Masters, or as at L'Institut de Quebec, we do have programs where you can, all our, all our classes are online. You could actually study in your home, and you could be studying maybe once, uh, one, uh, uh, two or three courses a year. It doesn't, it could, some of our graduates have taken 10 years. We don't encourage people to do that, to, to graduate from, from the college. Maybe uh, you don't sense that call to be one of the Ephesians 4 ministries, but you, you do want to learn about the Bible. Well, you could take some of our courses. After the service, Rich and I will be in the back. You can come and see us. But just to tell you a bit of the things we do offer, uh, we offer a one-year uh, program for, for young people between the eight, age of 18 to 25. It's called Le Réseau. Le Réseau. And if you would want to come and be a part of this program, it's an eight-month eight program where you can be doing things. You can come to the the college, but you'll be working very closely with your home church. You'll be given ministry responsibilities, and uh, every, every month you'll be going out and doing ministry in other churches around the province. It's a chance to live a bit the, uh, a Christian life, and, and then after the Christian life in a way that maybe is different than you are used to, and uh, maybe you say, I'll do this for one year, and then go off into the field that uh, God has called me to. It's a great experience. This year we had a, a five students who took it. Next year we already have about ten who are planning to come on that one. We have a program, like a, a one-year program, if you're ever sensed to, to want to get credentials with the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. We have a one-year program, ten courses. And also we are affiliated with the Université de Laval in Quebec City. If I could do Théologie de Sciences Religieuses. 
in which you get a Bachelor of Theology from a recognized institution in the province of Quebec. And that's very significant. It's recognized around the world as a very, uh, very important uh, graduate uh, degree. So, as I say, and if you would feel to take courses, come and see us after the service. We're there. But you can also go to our website, as you see up there, ibq.ca, and get all the information. And Rich, tell us a bit about MCS. And so, likewise, we have various programs, and, and I'll just take uh, 30 seconds to explain this. So, you can take master's studies on our campus in Peterborough or online anywhere in the world. And we also have our seminary that's connected to Tyndale University Seminary in Toronto. And so you can come and study for one year, just do a one-year program of formation and transformation and biblical grounding. It's a a certificate in Christian leadership. We have a two-year program that recognizes prior learning at college or university. And so we have our degree program from four years to two years if you come with some form of previous education, a three-year program or a four-year program. And the four-year program, the Bachelor of Theology, uh, is offered in various majors, pastoral leadership, youth uh, leadership, kids ministry, and a worship and creative arts ministry. And so, as Pastor Gary said, um, our information is all online at our website, uh, www.mcs.edu. This is the commitment that we make to you as students. And we don't think of students as just uh, a particular age demographic. We have students of all ages uh, across eastern Canada studying with us. And it's simply this. This is our vision, is to be uh, a diverse school that serves and inspires diverse students so they can be equipped and sent into diverse situations. As we've talked about, the world is looking for leaders. There's so many diverse situations, and we really believe that God is calling diverse people of all backgrounds to come and to respond to that call to make a commitment to follow through and to see how God will use them in their, in their lives. And yet, this sort of commitment doesn't go just a one-way. It really is a two-way commitment. And I know that over the last few weeks, Pastor Patty has been talking to each and every one of you of what it means to be a, a, a generous church, generous people. And so I stand here today on behalf of Gary and I, we say thank you for how generous you've been in investing in us as a church as you have given sacrificially, financially to this church, and in turn, this is a church that contributes and makes a difference in our spheres of influence. That's our commitment. It's a partnership with purpose. Thank you for committing to this. A commitment to IBQ or MCS results in change. We've talked about the, the challenge of finding students, the next generation of leaders responding to the call, that it's going to take a commitment from both schools and churches. But what happens when you invest? What happens if you enroll? Simply put, it happens through change. It really does take place in a a transformative environment. At MCS, our mission is we picture change. This really describes what takes place on campus. I don't have the time this morning to to tell you some stories of some of the students of what's happened in their lives from beginning to end. But I've been so encouraged to see how God has transformed their lives and transformed who they are as individuals. And they've walked through difficult things in their life, and yet they come through empowered by the Spirit to embrace the call of God on their life. So a commitment leads to change. It leads to change so that there's opportunities for students to take the baton and to run. 
And so you see here the graduates from IBQ uh, just about a month ago as they were each given a diploma or given their baton, given their baton to run. And the same at Masters. Now these are uh, pictures of some of our first-year students who have just come to the school. They're just starting the race. And yet, because of partnerships, because of the transformation that takes place, they're grabbing the baton and they're running with it, chasing the call that God has in their life. This is what an investment in masters and IBQ does. And so, as we come to the end, the final spot today is just a quick word of encouragement to you. We come today not for making a commercial or an advertisement. We come to encourage you. It takes great courage, doesn't it, to live for Jesus in these days. I don't know your stories. I don't know your neighborhoods. I don't know where it is you work. But if anything like mine, it takes great courage to live for Christ. As we watch on the news and we see whether it be decisions of the government or school systems or whatever, it's increasingly becoming an environment that's anti-Christian. While people will entertain a conversation about Jesus, not many have time for the church, for Christians. It's incredibly challenging. The Old Testament tells a story in the book of Jeremiah where people lost courage. And in the moments of people losing courage, we know the nation was lost. And the prophet Jeremiah weeps over the nation for there was no leadership. It's going to take each and every one of us to respond to the call of God in our lives with great courage. And so no matter where it is that you serve, no matter where it is that you live, where you do your life, who you rub shoulders with, to know today that you are called, called by God. And would you go with great courage, with the power of the Holy Spirit, and make a difference in your community, make a difference in your workplace, make a difference on the metro, make a difference wherever you may find yourself. But you go as ones who are called. This is a church with a mission of being an inside-out church. I'm, I've been observing from a distance, and I'll text Pastor Patty so often and just kind of cheer on and encourage, and the things that you have done to give back to Montreal, I applaud you. And together, IBQ and MCS, we say, well done, church. But there may be those sitting here today who may feel that you know what this looks like in your life is a little bit different. It may mean that you would submit to a process of education and mentoring and discipleship and enroll at IBQ or MCS and you say, I'm ready to take the baton to lead in kingdom service. What do I have to do? We'd love to have a conversation with you at the back after the service. Caden, if you would be able to come. As we conclude this morning, we just go to a final story. We talked about Moses. We talked about Moses as a reluctant leader. But in his leadership, in his reluctance, and I can relate, I understood what that meant. I just wanted to push away at that call. 
Moses steps in and he runs a race and he runs it with great effectiveness and excellence. And he has a moment of laying on of hands, of, of ordaining Joshua to take the baton and run. And so as he's running, he hands it off to Joshua and Joshua takes that baton and he runs. He runs his race. And yet we hear and we see that there's a moment where the baton is dropped and the people are struggling and the people are looking for leaders and they're doing what was right in their own eyes. And over and over and over again, that happens. That happens for 400 years where they would do their own thing and God would send a righteous judge and that judge would intervene and and they would be set free and delivered and yet they would go back into it and over and over and over again. That period of time goes and goes until this particular passage of Scripture. This particular passage in 1 Samuel chapter 3. The boy Samuel served the Lord. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. Oh, that we would never get to a moment where we couldn't hear the voice of God. That we couldn't hear His voice speaking to us as He calls each and every one of us. That we would have the sensitivity to hear His voice that we would never get to this moment. And here in this moment, the voice calls out to, in this case, a young fellow by the name of Samuel. And the Lord came and called, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, Speak, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am about to do a new thing in Israel. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him. And in this moment... The baton is held out to the next generation of leader. And that next generational leader is Samuel. And he takes the baton and he runs his race. And we see in that very moment, the history of the nation of Israel is redefined because of Samuel's leadership. There's someone to take the baton. Today in this moment, I ask the question. Gary and I come today and we say, Who, who's ready to run the race? Run the race in the marketplace. Run the race in your neighborhood. Or perhaps you're called to run the race and lead in churches here in Canada or maybe around the world. Who's ready to take the baton and run? I'm going to call the worship team to come today and we're going to conclude and invite each and every one of you to stand. Perhaps the Lord's voice is going out in this room today and each and every one of us are Samuels. Don't, don't get put off here by the terminology, the young Samuel. For God calls people of all ages and stages. It could be you today. Today, this could be His voice calling to you to respond to Him for kingdom service. In this moment, let us just ask that His Holy Spirit would speak to us. And in the quiet, before we begin to sing, would you close your eyes and would you simply say to him today, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak, Lord. Your servants here at Evangel Pentecostal Church in downtown Montreal, on Father's Day 2017, your servants are listening. This great church with a history of a legacy of incredible ministry in the city. This church is listening to your voice, Lord. Speak, I pray, to each and every one of us, and may we have the ability to hear you. For God, today you may be calling people into kingdom service, full-time kingdom service, 
perhaps here in the city, in this province, in this nation or around the world. It's in moments like this where this fellowship, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, has been built upon for years and years and years in moments and services like this where people have stood up and said, I will respond to the call and do what I need to do. And so perhaps there's people in this room just like that who are ready to take the baton and run their race. There are others in this space today, in this sacred space, who are going to respond right where they are, right in their neighborhoods, in their workplaces, in the marketplace, and make a difference right where you've planted them, where together we're responding to the call. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. And Lord, when we respond to your call, we know you are such a good God. And so you'll prepare us and you'll equip us and you'll give us everything we need to fulfill this call in our lives. And as we sing this song to close this service this morning, may this be a prayer of commitment, maybe a song of commitment that you are a good, good Father. Use us, I pray, so that the world will know of the hope of Jesus Christ in a world that's looking for leaders. They're not looking for a leader and a prime minister or a president. They're looking for leaders in the people of God. May we be those kinds of people. In your name we pray. Amen.